The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast, AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am post-round two review. And looking forward to the weekend, I'm Rick Gaiman, and to do all of the great conversation that we need to have for this week, he's back. It's Greg Ducharme. Happy Friday. Oh, so good to be back. So good to be back here on a Friday night. I love these little mid-round, uh, the, the halfway point conversations because it, it's fun to like we do our preview rick uh, every tuesday and we pick our winners and and after two rounds we get to really see who's who's taking shape so it, it makes doing this show makes the first two rounds of the tournament for me so much more interesting because i just i gotta know i gotta know where my picks are i gotta know where all my guys are i gotta know what's going on for the weekend right well well i like it uh speci- really because so much changes over the course of four rounds and if you just do it at the end of four rounds or whatever you miss a lot of the storylines like there's a guy at the top of the leaderboard that we might not talk about if we only did this on sunday so we'll get to him in a second but i i like the fact that we get to uh, discuss everything. And as I was watching this event, Greg, the thing that kept popping into my mind is like, assume you're the amateur in one of these groups and you could hand pick the pro that you'd want to play with. Who would that be for you? Oh, that is, I think it's got to be Phil Mickelson for me. I mean, you look at Phil Mickelson, what he does in, in the social media space. You look at what he does in commercials. He seems like, and this this opinion, by the way, has changed for me a little bit uh, over the years. And really in the last two years, I have gone from being someone who admired and respected Phil Mickelson beyond belief. But I, I, I didn't really know about his personality. I, quite frankly, I didn't know if it was real. I thought maybe it was a little phony at times, maybe a little over the top. And in this social media kind of experiment that we've seen, and the way that he does his interviews has always been great. But his interviews, what he does on social media, it's humanized him to me. And Phil Mickelson's a guy that I want to hang out with now more than ever. So I I, I look at this. I love Jason Day as well. Uh, I, I, I'm i not sure how fun DJ would be, but I'm sure he'd be a blast. We we both went to Coastal Carolina, so I'm sure we'd have some stories to, shell, uh, to share. But I think Phil Mickelson is is pretty much the easiest choice here. I I think there's two ways to go about this. You either pick a guy who is an unbelievable talent like a DJ and you watch him do things that you will never see anyone on the face of the planet do again, or you choose someone that you think is going to be a lot of fun, which could be like, yeah, Phil, or like, I mean, Pat Perez, Kevin Kisner. Like, there's a lot of like fun guys on the PGA Tour. Let me ask you a question about that, Rick. Is Do you think there's any of those guys on the PGA Tour that are not doing things that nobody else can do? (laughs) That's you know what? That very valid point. You stick me with Zach Blair, and I'll think he's the greatest player to ever walk the face You'll of the earth. You'll be stunned. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So you can't go wrong here. 
Um, you know who else could, who couldn't go wrong today, Greg, was Nick Taylor. And he is leading this event through two rounds, number 229th ranked player in the world. He shot a six under round at Pebble Beach today, uh, just like we all knew would happen after two rounds, right? Uh, yeah, I would say that this guy was a guy that we all definitely talked about. No, this was the guy in the lit, in the range where we said uh, there's not really much here. Uh, <laughs> you know, don't take DJ because you can't pick, there's, Nick Taylor's not going to be a good pick for you, right? We're, we're kind of more in that camp. But I was thinking about our conversation on Tuesday, Rick, when I was driving home and, um, cause I knew, you look at you look at a, a lineup from a DraftKings perspective. You look at it from an odds perspective, and there are certain guys that you're going to pick, and there are certain guys you're not going to pick. And there, when, but ultimately on Thursday night or on Friday night, every single week on the PGA Tour, there's one of these guys, yes, like a Nick Taylor, that you're not too familiar with. And how do you how do you predict? And again, I'm looking at this from kind of a, a predict uh, uh, a fantasy or a betting perspective. How do you pick that guy? How do you pick Nick Taylor? Well, this is the thought that I came to. The guys on the PGA Tour don't get to the PGA Tour because they don't know how to go low. They don't get there because they aren't very good with their irons or they're not very good off the tee or they're not very good with their putter. They're all capable of shooting extremely low scores. That's how you get there. To get through the Corn Ferry Tour, uh, to get through the McKenzie Tour, to get through any of these uh, professional tours, you have to shoot really low scores. So for Nick Taylor to go out there and shoot 63, 66, I promise you one thing. It's not the first time he's shot those scores uh, on back-to-back rounds. It's just the first time that he's had a, a co-lead after 36 holes on the PGA Tour. It is interesting because I you took the words right out of my mouth, which is there's always a guy here. At thir- you know 36-hole lead, it's always a guy that we were like, wow, I wonder if he can hold on to this for the next two whole, two rounds. And when you look at it, uh, for Nick Taylor, unfortunately, a lot of those guys don't end up winning the golf tournament and he kind of has the odds stacked against him a little bit. You mentioned it. He's never held the lead or a co-lead after 36 holes. He has one top three finish since 2014. He only has one win in his career. And I think even maybe more important than all of that. He's played the easy courses. He has to go to Spyglass tomorrow, and if the wind starts kicking up, and and try to hold on to this thing and sleep on the 36-hole lead for the first time in his life. Just like the uh, the American Express, when we got to talk about the change in courses. Now, I I do think this particular tournament has less of a difference between the three courses. Spyglass is uh, is very hard, but there's still been great numbers shot there. So oh, yeah. I I think it's some somewhat comparative. Um, but, but it's definitely a disadvantage. And if you're Nick Taylor, you're looking for every single advantage you can possibly get. The two guys that are chasing you, uh, with, well, uh, you know, should I say Jason Day, who's going to play? I think he's playing Spyglass as well. He tomorrow. is. Bill yes. Mickelson's going to Pebble tomorrow. Yep. So uh, you're at a little bit of a disadvantage, even though you have a two shot lead. It's just, it seems like you're at a disadvantage. So, um, I, I think Nick is going to be in position to, to hold on if he, if, if he, if I say if he can, I mean, it, it doesn't look good. It looks like another <laughs> classic fall off situation going to spyglass, but you never know. I mean, these guys are, these guys are good. He has won before on the PGA tour. He's a really, really good player. It's just been a little while since he's been in a position like that. Yeah. To your point, he's actually, I mean, a seasoned PGA tour veteran. He's been on the tour and he's had his card and he's played a lot of events for a long time. It's just that he hasn't been in 
a lot of contention, which is almost more impressive that he's been able to keep his card for so long because, you know, it's not the magic win and then that gets you two years. It's just like he's consistently keeping it. Uh, but you mentioned it. He's got some big dogs chasing him down, uh, guys that know this event and play well here. And, and Jason Day, your one and done pick looking very good at the turn here at the halfway point. I'll uh, take it. Solo second. Two shots back, fired an 8-under 64 at Pebble Beach today. Uh, it was magic around and on the greens. I actually think it's interesting because I, I just realized this earlier in the day. He's not in that, like, featured group that's going to Pebble on Saturday. Like, when the yeah. tournament puts all their studs, uh, at Pebble on Saturday for the, for the TV coverage. He's not in that group. That's like a, I wonder if he's like, hey, little disrespect here. I'm going to go out and shoot a 64. I don't, I don't understand it. I, I really, I mean, we looked through this field on, on Tuesday. Yeah. Why is he not playing Pebble tomorrow? I don't, I, I, he, I don't understand it. He's I mean, the I don't only have one. a problem with it. He's the it, only one out of like the top like 10 or 12, like whatever you want to call them, betting guys, DraftKings pricing, like the, what, what would we, we would consider the top guys in the field. He's the only one like not playing Pebble tomorrow. And it's Jason, Jason Day is a popular player. It, it's yeah. not like, I don't know. I, I can't explain it. I cannot explain why Jason Day played Pebble today. But for for me, I'm really glad that he did. I, I think kind of getting away from Pebble Beach tomorrow on Saturday, getting over to Spyglass. I, I still think it's a it's a good thing for Jason Day. I'd rather him be playing Monterey Peninsula to, uh, tomorrow or or Pebble. But I, I still think for Jason, it's it's good to be away from Pebble. So and and he's just. He's so talented, Rick. I, I don't know if it really matters which golf course he's playing if he's if he's rolling the ball the way that he is. It probably doesn't. Yeah, it's especially oh my god, every time I saw him and we saw a lot of his round on the coverage today, he he was rolling it in from everywhere. And I I do wonder a lot uh if the discussion around the winds kicking up and how that might affect a couple of courses more like if the if the wind really starts kicking, the guys that have to play Pebble tomorrow might not be in as good of a situation as we think they are. There are a lot of exposed holes at Pebble. There are a few on the other courses, but like it, it, I don't know. Like I I hope that the Pebble Beach has it, the Pe- Pebble Beach group has a, a an advantage tomorrow, but I'm not sure it's as like um you know such a straight line of oh they're playing Pebble they're going to be fine tomorrow. It's what we talked about on Tuesday, right? I mean this is on the you're you're right on the ocean here, so you don't yeah. know necessarily what you're going to get and if the wind picks up all of a sudden this notion that pebble is one of the easier courses it it goes away in a hurry you look at the the holes that are gettable or scorable at pebble beach i think of number seven right it's a 105 yard hole that today and yesterday were were i mean it's very easy it's a green light special everybody's flying it right at the flag no questions asked Tomorrow, when that wind picks up, that easy hole suddenly becomes one of the more scary, uh, one of the scarier shots. All of a sudden, you're hitting a, uh, I mean, this just has happened before. You're hitting a six iron from 105 yards. It may be the right club, but it's extremely uncomfortable. And it's hard to get your mind around the fact that you need to hit some of the shots you do. So my point is, the easy holes can become really hard holes in a hurry out on the coast. I always hit a six iron from 105 yards, Greg. I don't see what the problem is there. It's, it's, it's okay, not well, uncomfortable. I think you and we'll I got to talk. <laughs> I think you got to fly east. You, you got to come, come back east and we got to work on your game a little bit. Uh, another one of the big dogs that is breathing down Nick Taylor's, uh, throat is, is Phil Mickelson. Okay. So he actually goes out, shoots a 64, 700 round at Monterey Peninsula, including, unfortunately, he bogeys 
the last, uh, but he's now three shots back. I mean, uh, yeah, it, Phil, I, I am never really a big believer in like, oh, a guy can play poorly for a year and show up at a place that he's got good vibes and all of a sudden the game gets going. Uh, we saw a little bit of the game get going in Saudi Arabia for Phil last week, but oh man, does it ever click around this trio of courses for Phil? I think Phil's kind of been a, a player for his whole career. I mean, he's consistent as far as winning throughout PGA Tour seasons, but He's not a guy that's going to have a cut streak like a, a Tiger Woods. He's not the the consistency with Phil isn't what he thrives on. He thrives on what we're seeing this week, which is when it gets hot, he's basically impossible to beat. He he's on he becomes unstoppable. And he just has to in his mind figure something out. Something has to click. He just has to get it. Um and and once he does, it just keeps on going and going and going. He just will keep making birdies and birdies and birdies. So that's kind of what I, I think with Phil here. It's not like we have to see a trend. It doesn't take him a while to gather momentum. It could take Phil literally a shot to really get some momentum going. Do I still have concerns with Phil? I I do. I still have some concerns about the big number. I haven't seen Phil close out a tournament. Unfortunately, I didn't really get to watch the the action in Saudi Arabia enough to tell you what Phil did throughout the round. But I do know that uh, when when you talk about Phil Mickelson, you got to be careful because he doesn't need a lot to get it going. And I, I think that's what we're seeing this week. Even taking out whatever happens tomorrow with the weather and the scoring averages and all that stuff, we already know the scoring averages for the first two days. And it is factual that Phil has played the two harder courses so far, which I think makes this even more impressive. Now, he could go to Pebble and get and get killed tomorrow, but this is like – I mean, if you're looking at uh, trying to figure out what's going to happen on the weekend and you're just kind of slotting in guys based on, you know, this wacky three-course rotation that we've got, um, like Phil would be in a really good spot. And if he does do it, if he does close it out, Greg, we've got a great a couple of great tidbits here. He could become the oldest player to win an event in back-to-back years on the PGA Tour, which if you think about is really kind of astounding because it's difficult to defend uh, – at any point on any tour anywhere in the world to do that at whatever age Phil is now 49 or whatever, like that would be a really impressive feat. I think uh, Phil has a lot to play for this year. There's a couple yeah. of really, really cool things um, that to me, he's 44th all time on the uh, PGA tour wins list. And if you look at, let me get, I'm, I'm just jumping over to this here right now. Yeah, for, if he wins this week, he'll catch Walter Hagen to be tied eighth all time. Wow. With 45 wins. The coolest thing for me though is the span of, of Phil Mickelson's PGA Tour wins on the PGA <laughs> Tour. They are, uh, he has won in seasons covering 29 years, which is, believe it or not, tied uh, well, it, it's solo third, I guess. There are two players that that have uh, winning spans of 30 years. One is Sam Snead, and one is Raymond Floyd. And so Phil Mickelson will join those two players with a win this year on the PGA Tour. Towards the end of last year, I think many uh, in the golfing world thought that Phil was done. But this does so many things. Not to, it, it keeps him going in the record book. It keeps him away from the U.S. Senior Open, which I know was a, yeah. a little conversation people were wondering about. Um, and, and I think it enters him squarely into the middle of the Ryder Cup conversation. Well, you kind of alluded to this and, and, and what, you know, Phil's 49 and what's going to happen and what's his legacy for the, for the next couple of years. 
the, the, a lot of the conversation before the week started is around the fact that Phil said he would not accept like that special exemption into the U.S. Open and he wants to actually qualify for it. Now, to do that, you've got to be top 60 in the world. Phil currently number 72. So a win would certainly go a long way to at least giving him another crack at uh, accomplishing the career Grand Slam. It, yeah, and it's so ironic, too, because of where the U.S. Open is this year. Right, going back to Wingfoot, which to, to me, Wingfoot. Wingfoot was the U.S. Open that uh, that probably hit Phil the hardest. It, um, and that's I the one that got that away, person. right? That's the that feels like the one that got away for us when we talk that, about it. That's right. I mean, that's the one that he really should have won. He said it in the press conference after. I'm such an idiot, and <laughs> I know that he felt like he gave that one away. Uh, and I feel the same way. He he didn't have to hit a three iron in the trees, uh, especially on. I mean, I've been to where he tried to hit that shot from, and it it. Still blows my mind. But anyway, I guess you got to go with what got you there. But not not to look too much into that. But um, you know what would really interest me, Rick, is if you you decide you want to qualify for the U.S. Open, you play in your in your local qualifier, you mm. get through, you play great, you get into a local qualifier, and you get yeah. paired with Phil Mickelson. Could you imagine? <laughs> Could you, Could you imagine? imagine the guy that's come in second place in the U.S. Open six times? And he, he, what is he? He's going to be playing in a in a, a local a sectional qualifier. You gotta be kidding me. Yeah, he's also only made like a hundred million dollars on tour and you've got to go up against him. That yeah. would be, uh, pretty hilarious. I'd love yeah. to see the footage from I there. I think he's worth, I think he's worth four hundred million dollars. Unbelievable. Uh, if you look at, you know, on the internet. Right. He's done uh, pretty well for himself. As if it wasn't bad enough for Nick Taylor, who's got Jason Day right behind him. He's got Phil Mickelson right behind him. He also have, has someone named Dustin Johnson, uh, also lurking in currently in a tie for six. Shoots a six under 65 at Monterey Peninsula today. He's going to be in the Pebble Group tomorrow. Wow. He's, he started to get it going. So of course we don't have the shot link data from Monterey Peninsula, but there are a few guys on the planet that can get hot like DJ can get hot. Especially at these courses, yeah, right? Maybe. I mean, DJ has just a great record here, and he's kind of been leading into this tournament a, a forgotten guy on the PGA Tour. There's been, I mean, how many names do you think from the time that you and I, Rick, started doing the first cut, right? We started contributing mm-hmm. to the first cut to now. There's been many conversations on who the best player in the world is. Yeah. And names like Brooks Kepka, obviously, who probably the least Brooks Kepka's name has been thrown in there. Justin Thomas, Rory McElroy, John Rahm, Patrick Cantlay, Xander Shoffley, <laughs> Webb Simpson, uh, Tiger more Woods. recently, <laughs> Tiger Woods. All these guys have been thrown in there and Dustin Johnson's like the forgotten guy. It's like yeah. DJ's kind of on everybody feels like he's he's done all of a sudden because after the PGA Championship last year he didn't have a great year. And I I, I would argue that that is a a result a direct result of a knee injury. Um he had a meniscus tear. And mm-hmm. the thing about a meniscus tear that's different than like an ACL or something is you you can walk and it slow it can slowly tear. So I think he had a knee that was bothering him. He wasn't playing great, wanted to wait till the end of the season to get it fixed, which makes a lot of sense. So I think DJ is kind of, he's, he's like the sleeping bear. And I feel like we, the world of golf has been poking him and, and he's about to get up and really come after us and, and make us all remember just how good this guy is. Well, I remember being 
not scared is not the right word. Concerned. I, I remember being concerned when he had that stretch at the end of last year and it culminated in the tour championship where I am fairly confident he finished dead last. And it, it was just like, oh my God, like what happened? I don't know. Like, is this the end, right? It, it was that bad. And then of course, and then he gets the knee procedure and then I'm like optimistic again. Like, okay, maybe that's the issue. And now to your point, Greg, I think it's exactly right. Like there's a clear correlation between he plays terribly. He gets the procedure done on his knee. He comes back. He's been great since the, the president's cup. He's played well around the world. Like it's, this could be DJ's year. I wouldn't be shocked if he goes and wins a major or two. I wouldn't be either. Well, we have, we'll have enough of a sample size by the time the majors roll around to where DJ won't be the forgotten guy anymore. He'll yeah. be talked about front and center, no question about it. Uh, we just haven't seen him play enough, and we remember what happened at the end of last year. That That's my take on it. But the other thing is with DJ, you you can't take a rough spell with him, although as rare as they've been, you can't take it too seriously because – he doesn't take it too seriously. I, I was going to say, because he doesn't care. <laughs> right. Well, it, he definitely gives that off. Like, like right. I, I think with Dustin Johnson, the the career successes that he's had, which are phenomenal, right? I mean, he's won, what, 20 times on the PGA Tour in a major. He's, it's a Hall of Fame career already. But it almost feels a little bit less than. It feels like he, he should have won more majors. It feels like he should have won more tournaments. It feels like he didn't win at the level that – uh, that he's capable of, which is obviously extremely high. And part of that seems like, from the outsider's view, it looks like it's effort. It looks like his effort is less than. Whereas a Jordan Spieth, you <laughs> will never, ever, ever question Jordan Spieth's effort. He he wears it on his sleeve. He shows you. He tells you. The emotions are so up and down. Yeah. When that guy struggles, there's a, a little bit of a mental hurdle, hurdle to get over in order to rebound and come back. Whereas with the Dustin Johnson, I think it's just like we gotta, I gotta go see coach for uh, for a quick tune-up, and I'll play great again tomorrow. The best example of DJ's mental fortitude, fortitude and everything that he's got going on to me is when he he lost that six-shot lead. Oh my God. What was it? Like, uh, Shanghai? Yeah, Justin Rose? Yeah. yeah, Shang- yeah. The HSBC champion. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And, and, and everyone was like, Oh my gosh, he's going to have scar tissue. Like he's the first number one player to ever do this. It's like the largest lead ever lost on the PGA tour, whatever, whatever, whatever. And I'm pretty sure he goes out and wins the next week. And I'm just like, Oh yeah. Like, no, no. Like DJ just forgets. Scar like tissue? his memory is so short, which yeah. is a great. It is such a great trait to have in golf. Think about what happened at Whistling Straits, right? He yeah. Gets, he, he's right there in the mix, grounds his club in a, 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 a bunker, which he thought was a sandy area. The next year at the PGA Championship, they're calling them sandy areas because <laughs> of him, right? He didn't care, unfazed. Yeah. Uh, fast forward to 2015 when he's got a uh, – basically he has a putt to win the U.S. Open. He three whips it and loses. Well, what does he do the very next year in the U.S. Open? He wins. And what happened in that tournament? He there was a rule. He didn't know yeah. where where he was at. He didn't know what score he was at. And on the 18th hole, he hit two of the best shots in major championship history. And I would also say that two of the other best shots in major championship history on the last hole were on 18 at Chambers Bay. The driver and the five iron that he hit on those on that hole was. Uh, they were remarkable, ridiculous shots. He is so, cool as a cucumber. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> All right. Uh, what, what I want to do is I want to look forward to the weekend, talk about our one and done picks. But first, let's take a break and hear a word from our partners. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? 
And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, Craig, we're back. So one and done. I mentioned it. You are certainly in, uh, right in the thick of it. You've got Jason Day for this week. You are currently leading us after 36 holes. So uh, you mentioned that you're in a good spot. You love it. I love it. I mean, see, <laughs> here's the thing with this pick made me a, a little bit nervous. So I basically break these things down into buckets, right? We have our, our recent history bucket. We have our course history bucket. We have key stat bucket. And then there's kind of a miscellaneous area. And of the Jason Day's recent form, he had a good finish at the Farmers, but it was a light recent history. We haven't seen a lot of Jason Day. So that made me feel good about his finish at the Farmers, but at the same time, not I wasn't jumping over the moon about it. His course history, I'm jumping over the moon about. I love it. And the stat lines, it, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. Typically, guys who hit the ball really close to the hole with their irons are guys that do really well at at um, at these three courses. Jason Day is a guy that really struggles with his irons. It's a, it's in fact the weakness in his game. And because it's the weakness, not just because it's not gr- the best on tour or whatever, because it's his weakness, that gave me great concern. Although I thought it was still the best pick. So, uh, because, he, because of the short game and because of the putter and he just yeah. seems to like the course. So I feel like now after seeing two rounds of this, that he's got himself right in the mix, I have no doubt that he will be in the conversation come Sunday. Patrick Cantlay is a guy that a lot of people expected to be in the conversation comes Sunday. Uh, Eric Kay, our big boss, has him in the one and done, which uh, this is a weird situation for me because Cantlay gets off to a hot start. He goes out and shoots 66 in the opening round, um, made a couple of birdies early today. I think he started on the back and then he made like 12 straight pars and ended his round with a bogey. And it was just like he just was in he was in neutral. He was stuck in neutral. He's still only. I mean, he's four shots back of Day. He's six shots back of Nick Taylor. It's a lot to make up, but, like, I, again, wouldn't be surprised to see this guy go out and shoot a 64 or 65 tomorrow. He's at Pebble tomorrow, right? Correct. Um, so he shot 66 at Spyglass. So it's impressive. And and he's a guy that I think in windy conditions is going to be really solid. Uh, he's going to be really tough to beat. That swing – it it travels. It just is so simple. It's so e- he makes it look so easy. 
uh, it's hard to imagine him struggling, right? It's just a matter of can he get the can he get the putter going? Normally he can. So I, I I would say that he is still right there in the thick of things. He is six back, and six back seems like a long way to go. But that being said, he's in tied eighth, and I think it's more important to look at how many players you have to jump rather yeah. than how many strokes you have to jump. Do you agree with that? Yeah, and he's and he's four back from second. And if you think that there's a chance, like it, this isn't this isn't Rory or somebody like no offense to Nick Taylor, but like this isn't someone who might just run away and hide from you. Like there's a good chance or probably a better chance than not that Nick Taylor actually comes back to the group. So yeah, I agree. It's the number of people that he has to get by, and he's only four back of second, technically six shots off the lead. He can make up ground in a hurry, yeah. no doubt about it. And I don't think the bad weather is going to have a great effect on him. So I, I think Patrick Cantlay is still right there in position to to do really well. Uh, Kyle Porter and myself both have a guy in uh, a tie for 15th, but they're different guys. Max Homa, uh, seven under, playing well. And I have Paul Casey who, oh man, he was getting me all fired up for a while today because he was, he was shooting one of the rounds of the day at Monterey Peninsula. He was, uh, seven under through 16. He ends up bogeying 17. He still shoots a great 65. He's going to go to Pebble. He's in a tie for 14th. So he's just, you know, one shot back of Cantlay. One, you know, what's that make him? Five shots back of Jason Day. Seven shots back off the lead. Uh, it, th- these are, these are the scary guys. These are the guys like, um, you know, Paul Casey, uh, like Patrick Cantlay, even when they're kind of just like sleeping giants, they are so capable of going out there and shooting the round of the day. I don't think like any of these guys are out of it. It has a, a big impact when they do as well. When you see Paul Casey, when you see his name rising up the leaderboard in a hurry, it, uh, and Patrick Cantlay is the same, it carries a little bit of weight behind it, right? It, it's more, you, you will notice that more than say Cheston Hadley's name climbing up, ripping up the leaderboard. And yeah. Cheston just happened to be the guy that I, my eyes fell on first. As I, <laughs> I was wondering, I was I'm wondering a, how you got Cheston Hadley. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan. <laughs> it, it just, that, that's where my eyes went. So Cheston, uh, you, one of your favorite lines, no offense. I no don't offense. mean any offense by that, but right. it is, uh, it, it's definitely carries a lot of weight when there's a Patrick Cantlay or a Paul Casey. Um, ripping up the leaderboard. So I, tomorrow's a big day for them, though. They they can't fall any farther behind uh, leading into a Sunday. So if they can make a real move tomorrow and cut that deficit in half or more, then I'd say they're in very, very good shape. Um, I can't max Homa for that one-and-done pick because – surprising but it, it's a good pick i mean I, I picked him in my fantasy five guys on on uh on serious yeah i was gonna say we we talked about him a lot like i i loved him in draft because i played him in a lot in draft kings i yeah. bet him i i don't think i would have gotten to a one and done because i don't think i would have had to go that deep but right. uh looking good right now for sure that yeah it was just surprising that for for a one and done I mean, it's a great pick it's just i i was uh well i would say pleasantly surprised that he went out on that limp yeah. And then uh tomorrow is moving day, so we are going to need a little bit of movement from producer Jacob's pick, uh Matthew Fitzpatrick, and Mark Immelman's pick, Brant Snedeker, who are currently three under par. This is kinda to me a a little bit of a danger zone for these two guys, where if they if they don't go out you know, this is only a um T sixty 
60, 60th and ties is the cut here. So, you know, if these guys don't go out and shoot something, you know, if they, if they play even par, they, God forbid, shoot one over, they might be on the wrong side of it. Uh, I think at this point, if you're producer Jacob, if you're Mark Immelman, uh, you are, you know, you're hoping these guys make the cut, find their way into like top 20 kind of money for you. You were definitely wishing that, um, that it was a two round cut event and you just got in on the number, <laughs> yeah. right? No doubt about that. So unfortunately they got to go play another round. That being said, they're, they're still in position, like you said, to get into some pretty good money. They, they can, these guys can make some points. If you go shoot 10 under on the weekend, you get to 13 under, you'll be, You'll be on, you know, maybe the first page of the leaderboard if the wind picks up. And they do have a little bit of an advantage that they go out or, well, I guess they, I guess that's not true. But if you, if on Sunday you get into one of these positions where you're well back, um, maybe in the five under or so range, the guys that just made the cut, they're going to have a chance to get out there early and go shoot a number. So you, in these one and dones, this is one's a little different because it's three rounds, but you really just have to get yourself, you got to make the cut and you got to play great on Sunday. Yeah, I'm looking at, um, you know, any bets or any guys that can come up the leaderboard. Um, cause we talked about this, you know, you, you want to reassess after 36 or 54 holes because some of these guys can jump. I mean, I, I would have really, I still think Paul, Paul Casey's sitting there at 28 to one, which I, I think is kind of interesting. Someone like Alonto Griffin is there at 50 to one. Yeah. He's, he's in a tie for eighth right now. He's going to Pebble. He's won on the PGA tour like that. That to me, uh, is is interesting, but I I actually just think that one of these guys of like Jason Day, Phil Mickelson, or Dustin Johnson is going to win it, and their odds are the shortest. <laughs> yeah, I I think so too. I mean, uh, I definitely I I think Jason Day is probably the guy that's going to take home the trophy. You would um, say that, yeah? Of course I would, <laughs> right? Maybe that's a little too vanilla for you, but anyway, <laughs> no. I, I do. That's where I that's where I'm going, Phil. I haven't seen enough. DJ is a guy you could definitely bet. He's five back. He's five back, but he's he doesn't have a lot of guys to pass. So he's a good pick. Um, if you want to go way down here, another guy that I was very high on going into the week, Victor Hovland. He's at five oh, under. He made an ace today. Yeah, I know. He's <laughs> he, That's the thing. His iron play is phenomenal. The thing about Victor is his Sunday scoring last year was was ridiculously good. Um, he had a, a there was a streak of four tournaments where he went 64, 65, 64, 65 on Sundays. Um, and, and that's the kind of performance I think you might see this week on Sunday. And if he does that, he could shoot up the leaderboard. Is he, can he win at 500 par? He's probably not going to win, but if you can get some sort of a, a top five bet or something, he might be a good long shot. And, and that's a long shot I give you, but I mean, why would you go away from Jason Day? He's, so, yeah, well, the, yeah, Victor's such a stud. Here's what, here's the last thing I have on this. Uh, DJ's five to one right now, five shots back, and he was six to one before the tournament. Like, which would you, like, which would you rather have? Like, see, being able to see how he's played, but still having him be five shots back or betting him two days ago when he was a little bit longer and you have no idea how he's going to play. This is, if weird. I didn't, if I didn't take him two days ago, <laughs> Uh, then I wouldn't take him. I, I probably wouldn't take him now. I know yeah. he could do it, but I just, I don't know. It's, it's too long for those short of odds. You're talking yeah. about five shots and you got to pass Phil Mickelson and Jason Day who have, I would argue Phil Mickelson has a better course record here than anybody. Jason Day's is very comparable to DJ without the two wins. DJ's wins were a long time ago here. I mean, I, I would say, uh, I, I would, be a little cautious with betting DJ to win, especially at those odds. 
Uh, okay, I, I, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up, but real quick, really, really quick, Jordan Spieth might miss the cut. Yeah, he's in a tie for 66th right now. He's two under par. He's even par today. Uh, we, I guess we can talk about that next week or whatever. But like, I hope that dude makes the cut. He needs it bad. I do too. All right, Greg. Any final parting words? AT and T, Pebble Beach Pro Am. We've got two rounds to go. What do you think? Well, it's Jordan, like you said, I want Jordan to make the cut. I mean, the the poor guy, he pours his heart into it, and I'm such a big fan. But I'm just seeing him play whack a mole right now. If it's not his driver, it's his it's his putter. If it's if it, if his putter gets hot, the rest of his his full swing lets him down. He just he he's just chasing, and he uh the game of golf would would really be well sir well suited to have him rise up the leaderboard tomorrow. So that's the first thing I'm rooting for. Uh and I'm I'm definitely got my eye on uh Jason Day and Phil Mickelson, two of the best short game players in the game on um, uh, golf courses on some, when we get to Sunday, they'll both be on Pebble Beach with these tiny greens. You're going to see a lot of short game shots out of these two guys. It's going to be exciting to watch. There you go. That'll do it. Another episode of The First Cut. That's Greg Ducharme. You can find him on Twitter at TheRealGFD. I'm Rick Gaiman. You can find me on Twitter at RickRunGood. And we'll see you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.